Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table of the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster bar, sorry, jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were indignantly saying to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in her memory. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests, priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, what do you want us to, uh, where do you want us to go and make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the 12. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened and one by one they said to him, surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, 
he said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it was possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, Jesus said, that you have come with, out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Good morning, everyone. Big welcome to you. If you're a visitor amongst us, I'm Scott. I look like I need a holiday, apparently. <laughs> and uh, a very big welcome to you if you're watching us on the live stream today. Uh, we're very uh, pleased that you can be uh, sharing with us, and we uh, trust that it'll be a really helpful and encouraging time uh, for you and uh, for all of us as we uh, think about God's word. Uh, let's, uh, let's pray before we do that. Father in heaven, we thank and praise you so much for your powerful word. Father, we trust not in ourselves to bring about change in our lives and in the lives of others. We trust in your powerful gospel. We trust in the work of your spirit. And we pray that you would be working amongst us today. In Jesus' name, amen. In March this year, the... The government of Belarus closed down its embassy in Ukraine. Why would they do that? Well, Belarus was now assisting Russia in its uh, monstrous invasion of that country. And as the Belarus ambassador was leaving Ukraine, um, a Ukrainian uh, border security guard offered him a parting gift. It was, it was 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver uh, to pass on to his government. 30 pieces of silver, it's, the, it's, it's, the, it's what you receive, it's the profit that you, you obtain for betrayal. Uh, for betraying someone who as a friend, uh, for betraying your own people, for betraying the nation next door, 
It's what the betrayer gets to keep whilst the betrayed gets to suffer. Uh, video of the incident uh, shows the Belarus ambassador walking off in disgust as the Ukrainian officer throws the bag at him containing 30 pieces of silver. Powerful symbol, isn't it? Uh, powerful because of its origin, for it likens that betrayal to the betrayal which is the most profound betrayal in all of history, and that is the betrayal of Jesus. Now, of course, the very nature of betrayal is uh, that uh, the person uh, who turns on you is the person who is supposed to be your friend, your friend, uh, which was not the case uh, with those who were the most obvious enemies of Jesus, uh, who were in fact the religious leaders of Israel. Um, in Mark chapter 14, if you'd like to have that open in your Bibles, uh, Jesus and his disciples, you may recall from last week, are in the city of Jerusalem at what was the very busiest time of year in that city. It was the uh, time of year when many thousands of people poured into Jerusalem in order to participate in in the Passover. But in verses 1 and 2, the religious hierarchy, well, they had something else on their minds. You see, they'd, they'd had enough of Jesus. Exposed by his teaching, jealous of his popularity, and just a day or two earlier, he, he had cleared God's house he had cleared the temple of their greedy, profit-making, marketplace business. And so in verse 1, they now looked for a sly way to arrest him and have him killed. Uh, sly because he was so popular and they feared his popularity and so to, to arrest him uh, in amongst all of the crowd uh, may have backfired they needed a sly way to arrest him. But this was not betrayal, for they never really claimed to be his friends. And yet Jesus uh, and his disciples did claim to be a friend to all kinds of people, including the poor which on the surface uh, makes what happens next in this account seem to be like a kind of betrayal that we wouldn't have expected. Now, have a look at verses 3 and 4. While Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now, uh, from the account of this uh, in uh, the Gospel according to John, uh, we know that this particular lady was, in fact, Mary. Uh, Mary, remember, Mary Mary was the, the sister of, of, of Martha. Uh, she was also the sister of Lazarus. And Jesus had done something 
something wonderful uh, for that family. Lazarus had died and Jesus had brought him back to, to life. Now, imagine how you would feel if you were Mar- Martha, if you were Mary. Imagine your love for Jesus. Imagine what you would want to do for him. Well, Mary, we see here that she just could not, she could not keep it in. She could not contain her love for Jesus. And so she poured perfume on him, which was very valuable perfume. We're told that it was worth more than one year's wages. Now, think about that. What, what would that mean for us? That would mean, well, the average wage in Australia, I checked, uh, is just over $90,000 a year. 90000 And now you're thinking, do I make the average wage or not? <laughs> $90,000 a year. In our terms, that's, that's a lot of money. This is, this is precious perfume, very valuable perfume. And so in verse 5, Mary, was, Mary found herself now being sharply rebuked by the disciples. I mean, they're supposed to be the friends of the poor, and yet behind the scenes, Mary is just lavishing on Jesus the most expensive of perfumes. It's like a betrayal of the poor, isn't it? It's money down the drain. In verse 5, they claim it could have been sold and the money used and given to the poor. Although, if it had been sold, do you reckon that the disciples would have actually given the money to the poor. See, it's easy to say, isn't it? Easy to say. Uh, In John chapter 12, we're told precisely which of the disciples made this complaint and, uh, unsurprisingly, it turns out to be the treasurer. (laughs) It was the disciple who kept custody of the money bag for the rest of the disciples. It was Judas, who it was discovered had been... In fact, helping himself, had been lining his own pockets, had been stealing from the money bag. (laughs) No wonder he wanted the perfume to be sold. But Jesus didn't seem to care all that much for wealth, did he? And so Judas concluded that there was no future in following Jesus. There was no profit to be gained. Indeed, there was more profit in betraying Jesus. Verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them and they were delighted to hear this. I'm sure they were. And they promised to give him money. And so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now, Matthew in his gospel tells us the amount. It was 30 silver coins which in Exodus chapter 21 um, equates it is the same amount 30 silver 30 pieces of silver in Exodus uh, chapter 21 was the amount which was to be paid as as recompense if someone accidentally killed the servant of another person 30 pieces of silver, the price for a life. 
Now, this was a great deal for the religious leaders. However, in all of this, God was actually cutting his own deal. Uh, For what was happening uh, at that time in Jerusalem, it was the time of Passover, uh, the time when God's people would offer up a, a lamb at the altar as a sacrifice and would then share a meal with one another around a table. They would share a meal with, of, with one another of, of, of lamb, of bitter herbs, of, of unleavened bread and of wine. Now, Passover, it's not like, uh, you know, having Christmas uh, lunch together where it's, you know, all in. Uh, it's actually a very structured meal. It's a structured meal with the... Uh, the food and the wine, particular food and wine served at different points in the meal uh, in a certain order, interspersed with um, scripture readings and prayers and also singing. It's not just a free-for-all. It is a reminder that God saves his people as he did for Israel when they had been slaves in Egypt. Uh, When God's spirit judged the households of of Egypt but passed over those households whose doorposts, doorframes, were covered with the blood of the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb. God is a saving God, although this would be a Passover of betrayal. Verse 12, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Now, it turns out that Jesus had already made arrangements for them to be able to uh, share the Passover uh, in the upstairs room of of a large house of someone's home. Where that night, as they ate the Passover together, Jesus stunned his disciples. Truly I tell you, he says in verse 18, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Now in the Old Testament, and particularly we see this in the book of Psalms, that when betrayal is, is depicted most painfully, the betrayal is often described as being, quote, the friend I shared bread with. The one I had over for a meal. The one whom I opened up my house to and welcomed him in and was hospitable to him. The friend, the person who I ate with. And who would betray Jesus? One who was eating With him. Now, there's a saying in the Bible which says that uh, what what man intends for evil, God uses for for good. And God's good here was that the betrayal would result in the fulfilment of the Passover, the actual thing which the Passover pointed towards. Verse 22 While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. 
Now, in uh, John's Gospel, in John chapter 6, particularly in verse 51, uh, Jesus equated bread with his body, which he would give for the life of the world. Take and eat. This is my body. Like a Passover lamb. And then in verse 23, Jesus took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. A covenant. An agreement. A commitment. In blood. Just as in Exodus chapter 24, when, when God cut a covenant with Israel under Moses with the giving of the law, and Moses sprinkled the blood of a sacrifice over the gathered people, they were covered with the blood of the sacrifice in the covenant. And this is a new covenant. A fresh covenant, and a fresh start between God and man in the blood of Jesus. Uh, by which on the cross he would pay for our sins. And by his resurrection he would secure a future which Jesus speaks about here in verse 25 where he says, Truly I tell you I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. A new uh, drinking, a new uh, feasting uh, together with all of God's people in the kingdom of God. Now, I wonder if you've ever felt betrayed. Live long enough and you'll get to know that feeling. <laughs> And when it happens, it's, it's good to have some friends around. I mean, some, some true friends, some genuine friends who will stand by us to encourage us, to support us and to strengthen us. Jesus had none of that. Uh, in verse 26, uh, Jesus uh, had already left the upper room uh, in order to report back to his true masters for he knew where Jesus and the rest of the disciples would be spending that night and, uh, and where they could be found and after he's done that Jesus and the now 11 disciples left the upper room and went to the Mount of Olives not far just um, opposite the Kid Kidron Valley uh, in Jerusalem they went to the Mount of Olives in order to pray and, and Jesus knew, to wait. Now, following Jesus, um, Jesus knew that the disciples were, going, were actually quite weak. Uh, their uh, experience with Jesus over the previous three years had been actually quite a wonderful time. Um, particularly when he had been, they'd been ministering in the region of Galilee, uh, they had seen Jesus perform some great miracles, hadn't they? Feeding thousands of people from just almost nothing. 
uh, walking on water, calming a storm, uh, healing people, driving out demons, raising the dead. They had experienced marvellous miracles. They had uh, sat under his incredible teaching, which had just kept the crowds uh, coming, pouring into him. Thousands and thousands of people came to hear Jesus. It had been a really terrific time for the disciples, but how would they react if their lives were under threat? Verse 27. Jesus says to them, you will all fall away. For it is written, quoting from the book of Zechariah, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You will all fall away. But after that, after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So the bad news is that they will all fall away, that they will all desert Jesus And the good news is that they're going to be united again after he's raised from the dead in Galilee. But it wasn't the weakness of the disciples nor the betrayal of Judas which overwhelmed Jesus. He was distressed. He was troubled. And in verse 34, now in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus shares with a few of his disciples that he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Why? Because he knew what lay ahead. Betrayed and deserted by man is not the issue. The issue is that on the cross, that God the Father, with whom the Son had enjoyed perfect union, perfect fellowship for all of eternity, God the Father would forsake him, would turn away from him, as our sin became his sin as the sacrificial lamb. Is there any other way? Begged Jesus as he pleaded with the Father in prayer. Is there any other way? Before he then commits himself to doing the Father's will. Not my will be done, but yours. Now, in Jewish culture, a disciple would show respect for his master by calling him rabbi and when he met him by greeting him with the kiss of peace. And yet in verse 44, Judas was so blinded by his greed that these signs of respect became the signal of betrayal. Um, Judas, we're told, had arrived in the Garden of Gethsemane with a a contingent of religious leaders and some armed men, some some soldiers, who in verse 46 seized Jesus and arrested him. Now, it turns out that uh, Judas wasn't entirely wrong to expect that there would be some physical resistance as uh, Peter, 
uh, decided to draw a sword and sever the ear off one of the, um, one of the, uh, the priest's servants, uh, which Luke, in his account, uh, reports that Jesus immediately healed it, put it back. But it wasn't necessary. They didn't need to br- Judas didn't need to bring along soldiers with swords because Jesus would willingly go to the cross. And betrayed by Judas, he now found himself alone. Verse 50. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. That's mysterious, isn't it? I mean, who is this young man? (laughs) What's he doing there? (laughs) It is thought that this may have, in fact, been Mark himself. Mark, the gospel writer, who was not one of the twelve, but he was a follower of Jesus, and he lived in Jerusalem. So perhaps it was the case that uh, he had been asleep at home when word had somehow got back to his home of what was happening in the Garden of Gethsemane, and wrapping himself in his bedsheet, he rushed to the scene. Yet far from comical, it's a stark symbol that the last friend with Jesus was a naked man fleeing for his life. 30 pieces of silver. It's the benchmark for betrayal and it's what Judas is known for for what he did known all around the world even today even in Ukraine in every place where the gospel is preached what is Judas known for 30 pieces of silver but in this passage there is someone else who for what she did is known around the world. Uh, Judas had essentially accused Mary of betraying the poor, yet in verse 6 Jesus declares that what she did in the pouring of perfume, well he says it was actually a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. Why beautiful and not wasteful? Well, for telling his own death, Jesus says that it's as if she was preparing his body for burial. Now, uh, Mary uh, would not have understood that, yet she had been to the burial of her brother, Lazarus, and had witnessed the power and the love of Jesus in raising him from the dead. Now, I was in the hall early on, I think something's being set up for morning tea today. Is that right? I saw some balloons with helium and the number 25 uh, on them. I hope you can stick around. I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> it's a com- complete surprise to me. But I, I'm reminded that um, this week actually marks 25 years uh, since I began serving in this church with Cassie. Some of you may have even been here on that first Sunday. He's looking at you, Don, David and Glenn, uh, people, a few of you. 
we all looked younger then, didn't we? <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> now, by my calculations, uh, 25 years of sermons minus those times when Peter and others have preached, uh, still equates to roughly a thousand sermons um, preached across many, many books of the Bible. And if you could sum up the message of, uh, of all that preaching uh, in one or two sentences, what, what would those one or two sentences be like? Well, how about Jesus gave his life for our forgiveness, that we now live our lives for his glory. It's not a bad summary, is it? Not a bad summary. Like Mary, who didn't hold back, did she? But poured out abundantly, not just perfume, <laughs> that was just the symbol, but poured out abundantly her very life uh, in order to honour Jesus, unlike Judas, who, though he lived with Jesus, actually lived for the world. We need to live for Jesus, don't we? Who, in the agony of Gethsemane, prayed to his father, not my will be done, but yours, knowing it would take him to the cross for us. But what does living for Jesus actually look like for us, for you and for me? Well, there's no simple checklist, is there, of things that you do and things that you don't do. That's what religious people like. It's not like, oh, just go and ex sell all your expensive perfume and give it to the poor. That's what, you, that's what living for... No, it's all of life. It's our priorities. It's our actions. It's our character. Indeed... It is what we cherish and what we love should all be shaped not by the world and its 30 pieces of silver but by the gospel of Jesus. 30 pieces of silver, that's the cost for betrayal. The death of Jesus on the cross well, that's a very different price, isn't it? And it was paid for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the incredible obedience of Jesus, who under such enormous strain and enormous temptation <clears throat> did not uh, submit his life to the world, but submitted his will to you for our sakes. We pray, Lord God, that we would submit our lives in faithful and, and uh, thankful uh, gratitude to living for Jesus and to honouring you. And we pray in his name. Amen.